nobody at the Warriors front office is worried about the money. They're right. worried about the culture because they're yeah. trying to accomplish a very specific set of things to set the Warriors right. up for future championships. Such a fascinating microcosm of what tons of companies go through all the time. Welcome to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast, where founders and business leaders talk about how they built a company culture that is so incredible, their employees brag about it. Our show aims to inspire you as you build a Bragworthy culture of your own. Culture building is philosophical and practical, and you'll find both discussed here. Grab a pen and a notebook. We're about to drop some knowledge. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us. Here's your host, Jordan Peace. Welcome back to Bragworthy Culture. Today, we get a return guest, one of my favorites of all time in the podcast, Alex Frohmeyer, or Fro, as now I call him because we're bros and we're hanging out for a second time. So, Fro, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to see you, man. And yes, you have earned Fro status, which everybody gets, <laughs> by the way, on their first time meeting me, but yeah. especially true in this case. It's good to see you. Yes. If you're listening and not watching, you don't have video, I want to let you in on how I run a typically bald man. But that is a short for Frohmeyer, <laughs> but it is an ironic nickname. And Alex, or Froze, has been a really great guest of ours. One of We actually just talking to the folks that help us produce our podcast and seeing that your episode was the top listened to episode that we've had, actually, your previous episode. So thank you for that. It's a big deal to us and just really appreciate the perspective, the depth of the conversation and very much looking forward to jumping in again. The obvious question, since it's been about one year, almost the day since we spoke last, what has happened since we spoke? What has happened with your company that had one name and now it has another name? We're going to talk about the rebrand a little bit, but walk us through the last year just from a standpoint of where you've taken the company. Yeah, well, it's great to be back and a lot's happened since, you know, the past year. We probably the two most notable things for us is just the sheer growth of the business since last October we've added 150 roles to the beam team. So we were at, you know, 250 something like that around the business all in and now about 400 beamers, which is amazing. And we're adding roles across. We just opened a new office too. This is actually my first time setting up in this physical space too. So we've got a new office, everything's like open, people are starting to flow back in, and there's a lot more of us now, which yeah. has been tremendously fun. So we've been building out our engineering teams, our sales teams, our marketing team, and a bunch of other bespoke roles across the business because we've had new products and a whole new approach to how we're orienting ourselves in the market. Also, this summer here, this is probably 90 days ago now, we rebranded the business from Beam Dental to Beam Benefits. And as a rebrand, you know, it's relatively significant, but really what it says about where we're going as a company is really where the magic is. Beam Dental was a company almost completely focused on a differentiated approach to dental insurance for small businesses around the country. And guess what? We still do that. Nothing's changed on that front. But Beam Benefits is really about us opening up our ambition as a company to help solve 
not just one problem, the dental problem for small businesses around the country. We want to solve the employee benefits problem for employee or for employers all over the country. And we're incredibly excited about the opportunity to help digitize and modernize the industry at large and to help a very, in our view, unloved customer segment get Mm. a really great experience when they think about their employee benefits. It should really be a part of your culture. I think we're going to talk about that today. Part of your company's culture is your benefits and how you offer and orient those benefits to your team. So we're really excited about that. Lots of exciting initiatives around the walls these days. Yeah, we're always going to talk about culture on this podcast. But my question is, and again, and I say this a lot on the podcast, but it's a bit of a selfish question because I'm behind you on the progression through the startup world. We just finished a series A. We're about 70 people, right? And I'm just so curious what it looks like to go from 250 people to 400 in a very short time while doing a rebrand. And specifically, I guess my question is, was it actually helpful to you as you grew so significantly, 40% more employees while rebranding? Is that actually like the newness of those two things coming at the same time? Was that actually a positive or is it just like compounding two big challenges to both rebrand and hire in a lot of people at one time? We do, I think, a really great job as a business of getting people comfortable with being uncomfortable. And some of the reason why is whether it's, you know, this year's initiatives, like launching some new benefits products and the rebrand or previous years when we had other big initiatives in the business, there's usually always something going on that if this is your first experience as an employee at a growth company, it's shocking. This year's newest Beamers are no exception. They're like, oh my God, this is like a normal Tuesday in this business. And we're like, yeah, you know, get used to it because that this is normal, right? And whether it's the rebrand of the company, launching a new product, heading into a new market, or whatever we're going to be up to in 2023 and beyond, there's always something that I think in some ways lets people know that they're in a different environment. We Mm -hmm. will remain a really ambitious company forever, I hope. And what that means is that a certain segment of the business and a certain segment of our employee base their work is changing, how they report into the business is changing, the physical location where they're doing their work is changing, the products that they're selling or helping position or doing customer support for are changing. Mm. The one consistency, though, is our values, our true north, our vision as a business. And so the common thread that we try to keep folks focused on is like, despite all of the changes to what your day-to-day life might look like, there are things that won't change that you can really anchor around. It's things like our values and culture. Yeah, it's interesting in the midst of that much change and sort of embedding the value of change and the readiness for change into your culture it actually makes your values somehow all the more important. Because if there are going to be things moving around and changing all the time, those few things that don't change are huge, right? Those few things that you can cling to in the midst of the storm, right? Like that's enormously important. So one of the things that you and I talked about kind of in our pre-call and even just in side conversations is this idea around values that scale, right? So I'm really curious to tap into that a little bit because I'd imagine you, you almost have to readdress and refresh and look at, you're not going to change your values, but look at your values and try to understand what did we mean when we wrote this, when we were five people? And what does it mean for 400 people to try to do and act the same way? So I'm really curious, again, for me personally and for our listeners, how have your values had to, I don't know, be renewed, refreshed, recommitted to whatever the word is, right, in the midst of yeah. all of this growth? 
it's such an important part of business building. You know this from you know the rapid growth you've seen with your team is that what the company's doing and who it's comprised of changes not just like every couple of years, it changes every few months, right? It's like a whole different company. It, it, the company happens to have the same name and uh, happens to have some of the same people at it, but it's really a different company. And so you're really scaling culture through entirely different businesses. It just happens to all need to be connected to one another because it is in right. fact the same business. And so the way this is often expressed, I think this is like one of the key things I've learned over the years is that culture should change. Mm -hmm. And yet that is typically connotated negatively. You'll hear people say this all the time. They'll say, well, I really loved such business, but then the culture changed. And it's always said in a way that implies right. that the culture changed for the worse. Usually what it means, and I'm sure there are cases where, you know, the company loses sight of its core values yeah. or falls, truly falls apart. But in more cases, all that person is trying to express is the company culture changed because the business changed and the culture needed to change with it. So in my view, it's not about should the culture change or not. The culture is going to change because what the business needed one or two or five years ago is different than what it's going to need one or two or five years from now. Mm. The key is you have to be messaging how the culture is changing as it's changing. Mm -hmm. Because what that person, when they say, I loved working for this business, and then I left because the culture changed, what probably mm -hmm. happened is the company had new needs and the leadership didn't point at those new needs and call them out proactively. Then the culture changed in a way that was a surprise to that mm -hmm. person. And so they left. They're like, I don't like what's happened here. And really, they feel surprised. They feel like they weren't part of it. They feel like the company's left them. They haven't left the company. Yeah. And so what we try to spend a lot of time doing is articulating the culture. It's going to keep changing. So I view my job, part of the CEO's job, in my view, as the chief culture officer as well. I view my job as I'm the observer of the culture, and then I try to bottle it all up and then articulate it back to the company. So if we're together in an all hands, for example, I'm going to be spending a certain amount of that meeting proactively addressing how the culture might be changing or ways that if you're relatively new in the business, you might experience things. We okay. start this in your onboarding. So first week at Beam, I'm going to spend time with every new person joining the team in an explicit effort to try to, I guess, indoctrinate in a way, but really like teach yeah, some of the positive principles. Sense, yeah. Yeah. In a positive sense. But I want everybody to really understand some of the basics, right? You don't have to know everything day one, but yeah. we want people to be onboarded into the culture just as mm. much as onboarded into the training of their job itself. Yeah, as much as you guys are growing and changing, rebranding, tackling new markets, their job might change just as fast as the culture or faster, right? So it's one you thing to go, hey, here's your job description, but job description might be different in six months, right? And you're managing a lot at once, but that, that makes perfect sense. I think wrongly, I just communicated today with some people on my team and said, like, I don't want to lose our culture. And I think what I meant by that deep down is like, I don't want it to change, but like, it's going to change. Like, of course, it's going to change. Gonna We're going to need different people with different personalities and different skill sets. And like, I think what I probably should have said is that I don't want to lose sight of our values. I don't That's want the exactly core. Right. I don't want the core of who we are to change. Right. But like everything around the core, that nucleus, right, the culture itself, like absolutely it will and should. That's, That's exactly good, right. The, yeah. We see that that exact distinction actually not made enough in most businesses, especially fast growth businesses, which is mm -hmm. that some things you don't want to change. Other things should change, need to, and will regardless of what you want. 
being able to point at the things that shouldn't change. Like if we mm-hmm. care deeply about helping small businesses get modern benefits, we should be able to point in that and say like, no matter what, that's not going to change. We're always going to care about that thing. Or we're always right. going to care about one of our core values, like tenacity. That is always a thing that we'll look for in employees. We did that last year. We're going to do that next year. But then certain things need to change. For example, our company has updated its views on its work style, or it's updated its views on PTO, or it's updated its views on transparency as we've learned more and experienced more as a business. And so Mm -hmm. I might articulate transparency and Bean's take on transparency differently and certainly more explicitly than I would have one, two, or five years ago. And I have no reason to expect that I won't have a different take on transparency of what your expectations should be five years from now. And so there are certain things that are allowed to change, certain things that need to change, certain things that shouldn't change. And simply leaders' abilities to point at those things Mm. and call them what they are, like this is an immovable object, this is something we're going to continue to morph as the company morphs. That alone takes the temperature way down on what Mm. can become some pretty gnarly cultural issues over time. Wow. And it all comes back to communication, doesn't it? So so thinking about what you just said around meeting with people in their first week, spending time personally, right? Even at the scale of 400 employees and counting, you're still doing that. But I would imagine four years ago, let's say, you would spend time with them that first week and their second week and their third, right? And in perpetuity, right? But now probably not, right? 400 people, chances are you're going to see them periodically, catch them in the hallway, try to have as many conversations as you can, but you're not personally going to have a deep relationship with every single of the 400 people in the company. Therefore, and this is what I'm going through, which is why I'm asking the question again, selfishly, you have to trust leaders beneath you, folks probably another level again, you know, managers and so forth, that they are carrying the cultural banner. They are carrying the values. They're pointing, to use your word, at the things to say, movable, immovable. They have to do some of that communicating too on a daily basis because they're not going to always hear from you every day, right? So I'm curious just what that's been like for you, transitioning from always being the guy to communicate vision direction in every case and every communication to still doing that, but on a particular cadence and trusting that it's being backed up, you know, on a more daily basis by the folks that you lead and that the folks that they lead. What's that been like? Uh, Has that been scary? Yeah, Scary is a great word for it. I think it's one of the true deep meta challenges of scaling a company. And it really doesn't come up actually, like this specific subject doesn't come up, I think, as often as it should in the tech ecosystem. I think we mm-hmm. talk a lot about how to scale product or techniques on how to market things differently or better. Right. And to a degree, you know, the ecosystem traffics a bit in certain cultural topics, but how to delegate effectively, build leadership teams that scale your culture into teams, and then how culture needs to be proxied top down and bottoms up, I think is poorly understood. And I would say Mm -hmm. I'm still very much on a learning journey here too. Literally earlier this week, our people in HR team was together talking about 2023 goals. And one of them for us is this exact thing, which is I'm doing so much of the top-down stuff, Mm -hmm. convening meetings, I'm doing cultural roundtables, I'm helping onboard new people, I'm doing all hands, I've got a culture deck, I'm constantly talking about our values, employer branding as we hire additional people. We're doing a lot 
at my yeah. level. We are not doing enough at other levels of the business. Mm -hmm. How does that little decision that our customer success team makes today, how does that incorporate the big picture? How does that incorporate our core values? Does it? Yeah. And we are not, as a business, we're not interested culturally in policing that sort of day-to-day -day activity. I'm not forcing anybody to like, you know, hey, you made a decision last week. Did you use our core values to guide you along the way, right? I believe right, people right. vote with their feet. They'll use the core values if they're valuable and they yeah. won't if they don't find them applicable. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to figure out right now as a team, is, as a people team is, how do we better embed our values into the relationship building done between managers and our individual mm -hmm. contributors right. to make sure everybody's truly as much as possible weaving that DNA into day-to-day, week-to-week life to give us the best possible chance of having a culture that can change itself to a degree and morph itself as the needs changes, which I consider to be a very bottoms up or organic process, yeah, which takes some of the burden off the otherwise, you know, the CEO on the pulpit, just like screaming about core values <laughs> all the time. I think it takes a little bit of both, right? Because you got to yeah. evangelize, yeah. Uh, but it can't just be the CEO up there or key employee being the only one that's carrying the torch. Like everybody has to be involved to some degree. Right. Yeah. You know, people are distanced from the CEO more now than they were in years past, right? They don't know you personally as well that it, as everyone used to know you, right? So you, I'd imagine early on, and I feel this in my own company, that I have so many individual interactions with almost everyone in the company that they know me, right? So they trust me yeah. because they know me, right? But the trust, I would imagine, again, correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not there yet, but the trust that you will experience or not experience down the road is based on how the people that know you are genuinely agreeing with and communicating the same things that you are, right? Not because they're told to, but because they actually believe in what's been said and they believe in and they trust the leader, right? And then that kind of keeps going down those levels where it's just like, oh, well, my manager seems like they really genuinely are bought in. And so does their manager. And so this all must be very real and very genuine, right? As opposed to like, if it's just you all the time, it's like, that. who's this guy again, like company mascot, like here just like saying the same stuff, right? I'm projecting a little bit what I believe the reality might be, but is that kind of the case? Do you kind of feel like, you know, the trust a little bit borrowed at this point, that it's really coming from the individual contributors are really trusting the folks that they know personally. And that's kind of borrowed almost generationally up to, to you, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And we had a situation just play out like in the past 60, 90 days that I think perfectly demonstrate this. We had mm -hmm. a long time employee, so maybe with us five, six years, Ancient in startup land, right? Yeah, yeah. So a longtime employee, director level in the business, a well-respected leader, somebody that, you know, has been around long enough that they also have a lot of relationships and trust in the business. And I have a great personal relationship with them because of when they joined and how close those early relationships are. And ultimately, between me and this person was introduced a relatively new leader. Okay. So now we don't spend as much time together. That's natural. But the new leader and I are highly aligned mm. all the way through. And some strategic things came up 90 days ago that the director, the longtime employee, was not aligned with mm. and had heard the story of the strategy and where we're headed only through that new leader. And the uh, trust bond hadn't formed between the two of them because it was a relatively new relationship. Right. And stylistically, they're a little bit different, right? Differing personalities. Yeah. 
and it was starting to become a problem. And mm. I had been just staring at this problem. I had been getting updates on it from this new leader and they were really struggling to like, you know, I can't figure this other person out. And I'm like, I've, I, I feel like I've got them totally figured out. We've been together for five years. I, I totally get it. And so I ended up grabbing a, doing a little happy hour with the longtime employee. Like we always do, one of our principles is we drive right at our problems. We don't fix mm. things by ignoring them. We fix things by driving at them really putting it on the table and having the real discussion. And right. so we had the real discussion and they heard that longtime employee heard my version of that exact same strategy that they were right. aligned with this new yeah. partially because of the relationship and partially because of the expectation that I was setting, which was if you, the new leader and I are aligned, if you don't get on board, you're officially, you're going to be in the out crowd. So it's time to get fully on board mm. with the direction we're going in because everybody else is already there. Yeah. And it had this remarkable effect that not only did that longtime employee totally change how they aligned to this specific strategy, which isn't yeah. even that important. It's about right. the alignment itself. They then started gathering other people who might have been questioning some of this new leaders fit in the business. And the longtime employees started saying, guys, it's all good. I talked to Fro. Everybody's oh, on yeah. the same page. We're all right. rowing in the same direction. And so mm. the point isn't that my version of this strategy and how I pitched it is any different or better than this other leader. Right. The point is that trust takes time to develop. Yeah. Getting people truly aligned is critically important. And that the culture is subject. It's this very malleable object. And you can have this incredible effect on it by introducing an expectation. And what I was leaving that longtime employee with is there are no sacred cows in this business. Mm. So even though I trust you, and even though you've been here for a while, if you don't align, you might find yourself not at the business anymore pretty quickly. Right? right. And I didn't have to say any of those words out loud, but that was clearly understood yeah. through the nature of the conversation. And so right. getting people, that's a very authentic culture, right? It's very yeah. clear how this works, right? We all need to be rowing in the same direction. You haven't earned the right to be a rogue agent just because you've been around a while. It's important hmm. that everybody does pick up their paddle and begin making progress in the way that the business needs. And it's this really remarkable thing because you can see how in those moments, those anecdotes, how much culture matters because this has nothing yeah. to do with this person's talent. It has nothing to do with the talent of the new leader either. It has right. everything to do with can we get everybody rowing in the same direction? And can we keep everybody rowing in the mm. same direction? Mm -hmm. Thank you for that story. That is like, that's just such a great illustration, you know, and a very real example for our listeners and for me to kind of imagine, I can imagine that quite easily and have experienced some similar things. However, what I have not done a ton of yet, we've done some, is layer new people in right, that are above those that have been around a little while, right, which is kind of what happened in that situation, that seems like a natural place for some conflict to take place or from some distrust, even if it's not merited whatsoever, right, to just to bubble up because, well, I felt like I had a direct tie to this person and now there's somebody in between and I, I'm spending less time, like you mentioned, which is natural, right? Do you find that that is commonplace when folks kind of get leveled, you know, in that way? 
And as a CEO, what is your communication strategy, your time spent strategy? Like, what is it that you're doing to sort of appease some of those things, make sure that trust is built? Obviously, that was one perfect example of something that you did, but in anticipation of that, because it seems like something that would be very common, right? What are some steps that I could take, some other CEOs that are listening could take as they begin to think? okay, I need to go hire some high-level people and I've got some folks over here that were maybe hoping for that job or maybe just weren't sure and now all of a sudden they feel disconnected. What are some strategies that we can employ, you know, in our own businesses? It's one of the most common things that not only can happen, but frankly should happen in a business that's ambitious, right? Right. It's the people who get you here are not the people who get you there. Right. And... It's also the most uncomfortable single thing that happens to an employee in the business. Yeah. Because it's uncomfortable for the leader. I think it's, I'm uncomfortable with it as well. I think it's like, feels disloyal or something, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You feel, you know, bad about the loyalty piece and the previous, you know, strong performance of those uh, employees. They feel bad because they're, they know they're getting layered for a reason and they wish they had the direct tie to you or, you know, another senior person in the business that they had previously. And it can be really uncomfortable for the new people coming in too, because they're trying (laughs) to wedge themselves into a business that has context and, and previous relationships and existing bonds that they're kind of interrupting or risking interrupting. And so it's hard all the way around. We, like most things, have taken an approach to this that while I don't think we're perfect at, we've gotten a lot better at. And like many, I think the methodologies I've developed for management, there's always a top-down component and a bottoms-up component. So the top-down component we kind of spoke to earlier. If I'm in an all-hands and I know that there are some people that are uncomfortable out there in the business somewhere because they just got layered in or a new leader's you know, come in to take the thing to the next level... They're going to hear messaging about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. They're going to hear messaging about the company has to, for a bunch of logical reasons, continue to be out in the market looking for top-notch talent, inviting that top-notch talent into our business and helping us achieve our really audacious goals. Yeah. And I'm setting expectations in those moments that not only is this not the first time we're doing, you know, something like this, bringing in a new executive, it's not the last time we're going to keep doing it. You know, every couple years, we're going to be refreshing some executives and, you know, setting a higher bar, right? Being a director last year, you know, the bar's up this year and the bar is going to go up again, right? Just to keep that director seat across the business really powerful and accretive and impactful to the business. You have to always set the talent bar higher and higher. And that top-down approach is a little bit brush-burning. You're clearing Mm. the way for specific conversations to be referenceable back to that global truth. So whether Mm. it's me then having a specific conversation with a specific person or that's, you know, struggling with, with this or with another leader in the business who needs to kind of actively manage someone's from a hearts and minds perspective, right? Just their emotional response to the, the changing nature of the business. They can now say, remember, Fro was talking about this in our last all hands. He was talking about how we are going to keep uplifting leaders that might mean some people are going to report in differently to the business or they're going to impact the business in a different way than they did previously. And a lot of it are, you know, these are very commendable tours of duty that people go on. They mm. might have been the interim manager of a team because a team lost a leader right. and they did a fantastic job continuing to make forward progress. But then we finally hired a great specialist to take over that team. 
Right. And we should celebrate that. We should celebrate the era of time that right. someone stepped up to the plate and helped advance the ball down the field, even if it wasn't a perfectly scalable position they were in. And these things happen all the time. What we found is that by mixing those bottoms up discussions that really try to respect and honor the specific people and the specific circumstances, yeah. matched with the brush burning, I find myself doing a lot in mm. all hands meetings or when I have teams convened, you can kind of triangulate people going like, okay, you're right. That is reasonable. It does make sense that Beam's going to continue to invest in better leaders over time or more experience and right. people that have already done the thing that have yet to do as a business. But you are talking about some of the most emotional subject matter at the same time. Seriously. So I feel like we've seen everything at this point. You know, people yeah. that are, they're so ready to bring in someone to help manage and move a functional area forward. And then people that, you know, will in some cases leave the business because they're right. offended that they weren't right. the person tapped to go with the business for the next period of time. And you have to be prepared to lose in that context by always forcing yourself to look for what's the right decision for the company. Is it important mm. that we are always loyal to every one of our leaders, no matter what, right? We're gonna make sure every single one of them scales infinitely in the business. Or from time to time, is it better for the business to have some fresh legs and some people that have done it before and yeah. have the experience to know more of the answers instead of discovering them along the way? Yeah, it's interesting. It's if this were a sport, but well, I'm a Braves, I'm a very sad Braves fan at the moment. But like if this were a sport, <laughs> right? You'd look at the situation and you'd go, You've got this this young talent, this guy throws 105 miles an hour, and, it, and then you got this other guy that's eh, just sort of not cutting it. You wouldn't think twice. You're just like, you're starting game one and you're benched, right? Like, but but outside of that context, I think our emotions get so tied up in the, this idea of loyalty and this idea of they've done great work for so many years and we want to honor that and, you know, respect that. And, and there's just, there's ways to honor that and respect that and thank people for that, but also recognize that this is what the business needs and what the business needs kind of trumps all, right? Because the business is... The mission, you know, the mission is uh, what the business is going to drive, and that's going to be different people over the course of time. So, I mean, just a great reminder of you're balancing this idea of we do care about our people. It is about people and culture and so forth. However, not everybody's going to have this perfectly linear path to the next and the next and the next promotion, at least within the confines of this one company. Right. Just um, to carry the sports analogy forward, this yeah. is the exact situation. I'm a big basketball guy. The Warriors are in right now. Draymond Green has helped win four championships for the Warriors. He's right. an iconic player, one of the best of his generation. Yeah. He thinks he deserves a lot of money in his next contract, but right. he's also a declining player. And right. there are young players on the Warriors that are ready to step up right. and take the next generation. And yeah. what the Warriors have to decide, which is a purely cultural decision, because they have the money. Right. It's a purely cultural decision, which is, do we pay Draymond entirely too much money for right. what will likely be the final contract of his career mm -hmm. to honor, you know, he retires the Warrior and it honors his, his right. championship run with the Warriors? Yeah. And then do we deal with cultural issues presented by his very strong yeah. personality? Or do we let the bird fly the cage? Right. Do we say, no, it's time for us to become, you know, the next generation of the Warriors? Right. Do we right. move on and reinvent the team and reinvent the roster and build for the future and let yeah. him finish his career somewhere else? Right. And that is sports media mostly focuses on the dollars. They're like, oh, this contract's going to be, you know, too expensive or whatever. Nobody at the Warriors front office is worried about the money. 
they're right. worried about the culture because they're yeah. trying to accomplish a very specific set of things to set the Warriors right. up for future championships. Such a fascinating microcosm of what tons of companies go through all the time. Man, really awesome discussion. I mean, I appreciate the specific examples. I appreciate the wisdom from your experience and what I'm learning from the conversation. And I know our listeners are just eating this content up as they did the first episode that we did together. Is there anything you'd like to close with, just it, whether it's around the story of the rebrand, whether it's any advice to the listeners around like, hey, if you're growing quickly, watch out for this or that, right? Pitfalls that might be standing in our way. Anything that you'd like to close with from? One small thought that I think wraps up what's been a really fun discussion is, especially for a growing business, if you're growing a business right now, you're growing a business in either something that's literally a recession or it's basically a recession, right? It's a market that is volatile and tricky to figure out. And so I've had tons of conversations with founders, CEOs, other business leaders over the past few months which is something I'm doing more and more of, making sure or trying to make sure that business leaders don't lose sight of the culture building moments provided by shitty markets, basically. Right. Yeah. And the reason why is what I noticed about previous tough moments our business has gone through over the years is I would find myself so concentrated on making sure there's enough money in the bank or doing the, the fundraise that helps us survive as a company, or mm -hmm. we got to just get to this you know, sales milestone or whatever. So focused on the business results during tough times that I would forget about culture building during the tough times. Mm -hmm. And what turns out to be true is that when you have everyone's attention, if you want to maximize the amount of attention you're getting in terms right. of people really not just hearing your message, but truly yeah. listening to your message. Right. Tuned in. Yeah. Wait until you let go of a really senior person in the business. Wait until major thing breaks in the business, right? A failed mm -hmm. product launch, company runs out of money or is about ready to run out of money. Sometimes layoffs and rifts, a mm -hmm. lot of which are happening right now because of the just macro business conditions. When those moments happen, they're terrible things, obviously, but there's always a way to take advantage. And what I always, I just had a founder that I know well had to do a, a layoff, unfortunately, a couple of weeks ago. And what I was telling her is the day after layoff, everyone remaining, you have their full attention. Yes. I mean, completely undivided. Why? Because something kind of traumatic just happened to the business and people are wondering if we're going to make it or not. And, right. you know, if they're next, right, is there going to be another layoff? You know, that yeah. sort of thing. If you need to land a point about culture or if you need to make other changes to the business or there are some other band-aids you need to rip off, mm. do it right now. Right? People, <laughs> people are fully engaged, fully yeah. ready to go and make whatever needs to happen, happen in the business. And those can sometimes be missed opportunities because you're so worried about all the other stuff going on. Totally. That once you're in band-aid ripping season, rip all the band-aids, do it all at once. Mm. And people, you'll find people then glob on to those cultural truths that you're mm -hmm. emphasizing and you'll build a more tightly bonded team. We went through a riff back in 2016 and some of my closest personal friends and certainly some of our longest serving, most loyal and most amazing employees were the people that remained after that riff. We became mm -hmm. so tight as a group. Right. That's a bond that kind of scales infinitely because we went mm -hmm. through that experience together. And I know a lot of people are out there, you know, having that experience right now. And it's yeah. easy to look at it for all the negative attributes, but there's also a very positive externality that can come out of it. I mean, how good entrepreneurs are we if we're not looking for opportunity in everything, right? That's kind of our job. That's right. So. 
That's a great, great reminder that there's opportunity in this market in whatever conditions the macro or our individual business is experiencing. Well, Fro, thanks so much again for your time. And I um, would venture to say we might even have you back for a third time. This is so much fun, but really, really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. I know how much you have going on. New office, new brand, 150 new hires. It's just insanity. You seem to handle that with a ton of grace. So appreciate it. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me back. All right. Thanks for listening to Bragworthy Culture. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us.